Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So. In case you ain't know, So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week we go in depth when it comes to baseball. We're talking Marlins and Hurricanes baseball. And while we're on the subject of the Hurricanes, we got some insights towards their football program, and we wrap up with our thoughts on the great Pat Riley's end of season press conference. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Got a thumbnail that we in the building. Yeah, What's up, my bro? I'll definitely handle that. What's good, so it's good I, to see you. I like your hat, my G. Oh, I thank you, sir. I thought it was appropriate for the episode. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. How was your weekend, bro? It was full of rain. <laughs> dog. I mean, just like everybody else is in South Florida. What a weekend, dog. Yeah, crazy. man. Crazy. It was rough. I mean, I feel like since Wednesday. So check me out. Wednesday, little after work round. Nice, right? <clears throat> Go play shoeless. Having the round of my life. Oh no! Through twelve holes, I the worst score I have on my card is a bogey. Oof! Look I'm at like, you. Bro, I'm gonna career today. Like this for is me, it. You know, it's gonna be a PR. This is it. It's gonna be a good day. Shula's love Shula's. You know I've always done well there. And bro, the bottom just falls out around the twelfth hole, and it didn't stop raining. I felt like till Saturday. Did like, you see the great clouds coming Saturday. in? We did. I have that's I, the worst. I had it on. Shout out Miami Golf Pros. Go Let's follow go. me if you're not. But I posted it on the story. There was a picture that I was like, oh, that looks menacing. And it yeah. was like, you can see the great clouds just looming. And then I posted up a follow-up when it was pouring. We were trying to wait it out. No shot. Yeah, and right. then the whole weekend was like that. So Saturday, we booked a tea time. We're like, all right, Sunday. You know, has it rained now? Saturday afternoon. It wasn't raining. We're like, let's book a tea time for tomorrow morning. And we should be good. We booked a tea time. Bro. No way. Course is closed. Of course. It's flooded. Course is closed. Everything's flooded. flooded. Like, these courses, a lot of them don't drain well, you know. That's what happens when you put a freaking city in the Everglades. Yeah. But it is what it is, you know. Got to rest. Yeah, man. Got to rest. Got to work on things around the house, right? Do a bunch of other chores, you know, non-golf-related chores. But yeah, whatever. But at least we got some more golf stuff coming up for the people to tune into. So yeah. we're definitely working on working something on, for working that. Working on some more stuff. Yes, sir. Um Man, the weekend was interesting, bro, because I got to see a lot of Marlins baseball, you know. Um, we got the Heat out of the playoffs, got the Panthers out of the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm paying attention to the finals and kind of paying attention to what's happening in the hockey world. But it, it doesn't have that same juice, you know. It doesn't have that same yeah. juice to to be like, well, let me see what's happening. I'm not dying to make an 8 o'clock start. I'm not dying to go run and, you know, watch a game. If I make it, if I get to watch it, cool, I'll, I'll tune in, you know, if. I get home and it's 11 and the game's still on. I'm tuning in. Um, and so far, it's been entertaining. 1 1, right? Boston got the first game in Golden State. We got Golden State winning game two, you know, quite handily by 30 plus, 25 plus. What everybody thought they were going to do in game one. Right, right. And now we got the rest of the series to see. And then in hockey, we got, you know, Rangers in it, Tampa Bay still in it. Um, a lot of good teams in there. Avalanche are still in it. So teams that we expected the Panthers to be playing. So. It doesn't really call my attention. Yeah. So the next thing I got to look forward to is the Marlins, you know, yeah. because the Marlins really do have a lot of interesting storylines that they have going on for them this year. Um, we've seen a lot of imbalance, right, when it comes to how the team is performing, contrary to how it was built, right, because it was built to be a very well-balanced team. Right. Where you have some good young arms, you have a veteran bulls, uh, bullpen, um, a well you know, tenured coach and Don Mattingly, um, some up and comers, 
both on defense and offense, right, to, to take on the field. And then you have some starting pitchers that can really go out there and win you games, right? And now with the Marlins being, what are they, 20 and 33, I think, right now? Yeah, 22 and 30, eight games under 500, fourth in the division. It's, it's, it's getting to a point where you look at them and you say, all right, what do the Marlins really have positively going on? And lately it's been the guy that we expected to be, which is Jorge Soler. You know, Jorge Soler has really had a, a, an amazing two weeks where he's been really seeing the ball well making a lot of good contact. Um, he hit that game-winning play. <clears throat> Excuse me. He hit a game-winner uh, walk-off, first walk-off for this season for the Marlins. Um, and I don't know if you saw it, bro, but they celebrated with the walk-off helmet. Did you see that? I didn't see that. I heard about it. I saw the oh, headline. Man. I, I didn't talk to me about this helmet. Bro, it is. I love you, Marlins, okay? I really do. And this is coming from a positive standpoint. Oh, I, I feel I sense a big butt coming. No, it's huge. It's a huge Kyle Lowry-type butt. Wow. Yeah. Um, Which we'll get to later. In the yeah, season. yeah, for sure. Um, but it's just a terrible, plain, white-looking helmet with, like, four stickers that are Marlins-related. You got, like, an old Florida Marlins sticker on the top. There's a Miami Marlins sticker on, like, each side. And it's literally just a football helmet. Why? Those are things that we do down here, especially the Marlins. They find weird ways to try to get the fans, you know, into it. Bro. And and I and I hope I hope it was the players saying like, "Hey guys, let's have a spoof on this whole like rallying," you know, because the Padres, uh, not the Padres, I think it's the yeah, it is the Padres. They have like the baseball card, the laundry card. They put people in and they push them around when they hit home runs. That's cool. They do different things. There's a bunch of other teams, but uh, a helmet, like a football <clears> helmet. <throat> Let me ask you a question. Why is is Hurricanes football program, the one to blame for the gimmicks on the field with all the props. Maybe it was just Because the turnover Diaz. chain was the first that I remember. Yeah, I'm not sure Diaz you can think that. back to other things, right. other instances, but like really like where the players utilize it as a prop. Yeah, it's definitely turnover chain, right? It's definitely Hurricanes related and it's definitely the, the rise of the Hurricane chain, you know? Because then it went into Hurricane chain version two, version three, touchdown rings. And it was like, wait a second, where, where is this going to end? You know, are we going to have the bag? I remember one school had the bag. Yeah, you know, dude. the bag or whatever. Some guys had a championship belt, of all types of stuff. You know? So now we got the Marlins pulling out helmets for walk-off home run wins. Hey, man, you know I'm I'm cool with it, I guess, if it equals Listen, winning. The gimmicks, you, you know, if if the Marlins are trying to do that to get more fan engagement, guys, listen to me. I'm, I'm looking at you right now, Marlins <laughs> execs. The formula is simple. You want fan engagement, win games. Yeah. We win games, you will get fans in the stands. And last year, we did okay on the hitting side of the ball. Pitching was the number one issue we had, right? We talked about it repeatedly on the show. Man, you know, we got Trevor Rogers and we got, you know, I got that, you know, was having injury issues and, and we had a couple other guys going through that with six though and stuff going through injuries this year, man, we've turned it around. We talked about it recently with Devin. We talked about it again last week. You know, the pitching has really improved, you know, just some of the guys that are, that we had last year that weren't doing well are doing better and, and they're healthy. And we're seeing that we're, we weren't getting that or we're not getting that from the hitting department. And what it sounds like is that, you know, Solaire 
had a rough start to the season, obviously an abbreviated, you know, spring training because there really wasn't one because of the lockout. Right. Then you start with a brand new team. You really don't have that chemistry. You're not really feeling, you know, you're still feeling at the ballpark, I guess, and 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 your teammates and, and that whole nine yards. So kind of sounds like he's making maybe a turn here in the season because it, it probably was a role change from him, for him, right? Where he went from playing double A ball, triple A ball, right? Where yeah, you're a better player than almost. 80% of the guys on the roster. Now you come out here to the majors and now people are depending on you. We're looking forward to you being even better than everybody else. And that's hard to do, right? Because then you're looking at a guy like Jesus Aguilar, who's, who can rip the ball apart, right? You got a guy like Jazz, who's so dangerous, you know, not even swinging full swing. He can hit a bun and, and turn it into a double. That's how dangerous that guy is, right? So you have all these other weapons that you're seeing in the offense and like, damn, where's my place here? And he probably had to go through that struggle. And now we kind of see him figuring it out slowly where he can be more consistent. I mean, in his last seven days, right, he has 27 at-bats, six hits, six runs, uh, three doubles, two RBIs with four walks. On the contrary, he struck out nine times. So he's definitely trying, right? That that Those nine strikeouts mean that he's trying. But if you look at the production, he's getting on base. He's moving runners into scoring position. And he's doing things that create offense for the rest of the team. He doesn't necessarily have to be the one to, quote-unquote, drive everything in, hit all the home runs, whatever the case may be. Because he is a good enough hitter where he's going to be there no matter what, right? He's leading the team in home runs with 11. Um, he's, what, second to Jazz with 27. RBIs, Jazz has 31. You know, and, and, and we still got Garrett Cooper there being consistent as possible with his batting average and, and what he can do. I feel like the Marlins are putting the pieces together, but it's just not enough because when we flip it over and we look at the, the, the pitching side of it, man, you're getting really good starts, right? You get um, Sandy Alcantara going six and a half innings, not allowing any runs, right, to beat the Giants. Then you have Pablo Lopez dueling with one of the best pitchers that are in the majors this year. Um, I think the guy's name is uh, Will Hughes, I think, I believe. Let me look up. Yeah. Um, you know, those are just games where where you look at it and it's like, damn, had Pablo got one run, maybe that outcome is different. Technically, he doesn't get the loss, right, because he's not he, the, the earned runs are not on him or maybe he's able to balance it out. But I just feel like Marlins pitching has to start to turn around. And... You know, the second thing that I want to talk about with the Marlins is, like, how do they turn it around and who's going to turn it around? All signs have to point to Don Madeline figuring out a way, right, to either bring guys in, bring guys up, right, or do something to really put a jolt into that bullpen. The bullpen is where, where the issue is. We're losing a lot of games because we're blowing games, right? Yeah. It's not in the last three innings. In the last three innings. Specifically that Colorado Rockies game, right? We 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 end up playing a doubleheader because of bad weather out there. Cool. First game, we smashed them. I think it was 14 to 1, 12 to 1. Straight smashed Colorado, right? In the second game of the second header. Now the game was a little bit closer. Both teams are scoring, but when it came down to winning time, right, in the last inning of the game or the last two innings of the game, the Martins go up, and they're up 12-10. And I'm, and I'm telling my girl, like, hey, look at this. Martin's going to get this dub and, and win this series against Colorado. And we end up losing. And we end up losing. 13-12. Yeah, man. And, and you look at the pitching staff, and you're like, damn, this guy did everything he could to fight. Even the guys who came into middle relief, they fought their way to give themselves a chance, and the offense did their job. So you get... Out of the five things that you need, you get four. And that fifth thing, the most crucial thing right now, 
is is not happening for you. And and again, Don Mattingly has to find a way to say, "All right, hey, K man, I need a closer. Go find me one. Let's find a prospect that we can that we don't mind trading in order to upgrade that position. But whether it's a young guy that's that we can have here for three years and kind of build him up and let him have the job or earn the job." But we need to do something right now because the guys that we have are just not cutting it. And this could be, I'm not saying this is a a playoff bound team, but this is definitely a team that can play to 500, you know, with, with all the bad stuff that we've seen from the Marlins for them to be. there are only eight games below 500. With 50 games played already, you know, that's a, that's a third of the season. That's a, that's a big, big, you know, Right, all things considered. We're all only- things considered, Marlins being eight games on the 500 should show the team, right, the team themselves, the manager, and the front office, hey, we don't necessarily have something that we can go all in in, but it's worth investing in the future, right, and getting something where we can probably put a guy in position where we can win an extra two, three games, and that might just make the difference for this Marlins team. Um, in order to make it competitive, Right, just to make it competitive because we don't need it, like I said, to be the best team in the NL East or the best team in right. the NL period. Right. There. Um, one thing I was going to ask you: Do you know the split right now on the road versus at home? How we're doing? If there's any any difference there, are we doing a little bit better at home? Or because I know we had a home, we're, we're having a, a road trip right now. We're in the mm-hmm. middle of uh, kind of an extended one, so I, I don't know if that there's any difference in, in the statistics there. Not necessarily. I haven't really seen a difference, and most of the batting splits that I'm looking between home and away, they're pretty even, man. They're pretty even because it's it's, it's kind of what I'm saying. Like the the stats are showing you right that you have quality starting pitching, you have quality hitters in your lineup. You should be closer to 500 than what you are. The issue is you can't close out games. Mm-hmm. You can't close out games that you're winning two to zip, one to zip. Or even three, two, whatever. One run game, two run games. That's my point. You got to be able to win those games. Now, I'm not saying you go out there and win fifty percent of those games, right? Because that's what that's what playoff teams do. But you should be hovering about 400, 350 in those games. Because yeah, you might be young, and if you have a young closer who's learning on the job and he gives one up, you're not mad at that. What you are mad at is a a uh, eight-year veteran coming in to be a lefty specialist and then, boom, giving up the lead, giving up the game. That's something we are like, come on, bro. You're better than that. So that's where I think the Martin should be heading, you know. And and it, like I said, it's really up to Don Mattingly and, and Kim Ang to, yeah, to they, figure they something gotta, out. They got to they have a meeting of the minds. If they're not already having, I mean, I'm sure they're already on top of that. You know what I mean? There's probably wheels in motion here. I know the Martins are still trying to make moves and all that. And we got plenty of time, it feels like, before the deadline, right? Correct. Correct. And look, you know, just to kind of wrap up on the Marlins, one of the things that I that I was looking at is if they do make moves where they trade guys in the lineup, they have guys where they can bring up right now who are balling. You know, uh, we heard a couple of the guys that Devin the Devin talked about, um, but more importantly, one of the guys that I, that stood out to me that I you know in just reading up on the Marlins and, and looking is Troy Johnston. Um, that kid is killing it. Literally the best hitter right now in baseball. Major or minors. These guys has 27 hits in, what, two weeks? Damn. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, in, like, 20 games or something like that. No, this guy's <laughs> – and, and he's playing double-A, triple-A. So he's going back and forth between that. That's a young stud that you can have there. He plays outfield. There's always room for outfielders on the squad. You know, you don't have to play him 
two, three times a week, but you bring him up, you let him be around the, the pros, let him be around the young guys, see what, what his vibe is like, let Don get a good look at him. Those are guys that if you have to trade somebody who's a bigger prospect or an on-field prospect, not jazz or anything like that, you know, but any one of or a pitcher or anything like that, a T-Raw, Pablo Lopez, if you can go ahead and move that and really add to your team while subtracting, man, I think that that'll benefit the Marlins in the short run immediately and also in the long run because it's not going to hurt them. That kid ripping the the you know ripping it to shreds in the minors, that's very impressive. Majors or not, you have twenty seven hits in two weeks. You're seeing the crap out of that ball, bro. Right. You're you're hitting beach balls out there, you know. And um, the funny thing is that this kid has in those twenty seven hits, six of them are home runs, and he's not even a power hitter. That just tells me his contact is very smooth. His swing is very smooth. He's really feeling, quote-unquote, himself, right? Because he's he's in a groove where he's like, I don't have to f- forcefully swing the bat to try to make contact and put it out the ball. Tempo. Out the ballpark. It's all about tempo, baby. Tempo, man. <laughs> yeah, bro. We're talking about that. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, all right, so so what do the guy, what do the, the Marlins have coming up? Well, they start uh, a series against the Nationals at home, right? They got, I think, three here at home against the Nationals. Yeah. Three games here at, at home, and then they take off again to go play Houston, Philadelphia, and New York. So not a lot of time here. That yeah. series against against San Francisco was a, a real big one that we should have taken. Right, We end up splitting that series. We go 2-2. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what we do against against these guys because we have Alcantara pitching on Wednesday night, and T-Raw is scheduled for Thursday. So let's see. Oh, good luck, boys. We know we're with you. <coughs> well not that uh, much that didn't really help no um anyways well i know uh the marlins could be doing better but the hurricanes they're, they well they're out but they did the the best that they could you know and we're talking about canes baseball if you guys don't know they were ranked number six in the nation when it came to the tournament time um they had the benefit of being such a high-ranking team where they can host the regional down here in Miami and play in their home park. Don't really have to travel. No worries about that. Nice and comfortable. And I think that it made them too comfortable mm. because they ended up losing both games that they played in the regional and ultimately got bounced out quite early, might I say. Quite early, might I say. Because if you think about it, being the the number six team in the nation, that means that, again, what we talked about with the Marlins, you're a very well-balanced team. You have players who are producing offensively, making great defensive plays, right? Um, I saw a great diving catch that the shortstop made in order to save two runs in one of those games. So you have players there in those positions. The same issue was killing these guys. They couldn't close out the games. You know, they couldn't close out the games. And it sucks because I really felt like the baseball program was moving forward. I think they had a great leap this year, um, 40 and 20 on the season. You know, 20 games above 500, it's nothing to scoff at. Obviously, there's talent in this team, and we'll talk about a little bit some of the guys that are looking forward to getting drafted. But ultimately, <clears throat> that was going to be my question. How many of these guys are going to be moving on? You know, is it, is it a team made up of upperclassmen, or is it a good combination? It's a good combination, but the studs are some of the guys that I mentioned last week, which are sophomores. Which is crazy because if you're telling me, hey, you're a sophomore going into your junior year and you're potentially a 150 top prospect, 
Hell yeah, I want my name in that ring. Right. Throw it in there. I don't care if I'm the 89th pick. I could be the, the 135th pick. I'm, I'm going to be happy to be drafted and be on a professional squad and start my journey. Um, especially if you feel like you accomplished everything you could in college. You know, you're talking about going out there and making money. Granted, now guys are making money in, in college now, right, with NIL and all that stuff. Yeah, but... It's, but it's not the same. It's, it's not a not salary. Major, a major league baseball contract. Right, where you can, you know, essentially take care of your family, you know, put yourself in a real good position for the rest right, of your life. Right, That's guaranteed. Yeah, man, you know, it's 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 a hard thing to pass up. Um, but just to kind of, you know, put you on the path of how the Canes ended up getting knocked out, um, they end up losing to Ole Miss 3-0. to very weird game where they couldn't consistently get guys in in scoring positions, and when they did, it was like with two outs, very hard to drive them in, and they just didn't have it, which is kind of weird because the Hurricanes were one of the best teams in the nation when it came to batting. They were top 10, like I had mentioned in the last podcast episode, um, ultimately because of the, the youth, um, not youth, but like, the fear that the, the lack of fear that those guys had it was a team made up of juniors sophomores so guys who didn't feel the weight quote unquote of being a fifth year senior fourth year senior where you have to carry the load no a lot of these guys played freely and and they had a lot of fun in the dugout and it was that energy that like kept driving them when it came to offense and it was just nowhere to be found that game against Damn, against Ole Miss and then even worse to lose you end up facing Arizona. And like I said, you, you get your heart broken. You lose four to three in the ninth inning um, on a bases loaded hit, right? And in that game, like I said, the offense was there, but not enough. Had 11, 11 guys in running with uh, come up to bat with runnings and scoring positions, zero hits. You know, they had what? I think it was 20. We're running guys on base, runners on base. One for 20. I mean, one for 20. Absolutely, you're going to lose the game. There's no way you can win the game. You have freaking even... Sandy Koufax on the mound. Yeah, you're going to lose. You can't, can, man. You got you to gotta drive these guys home. You got you to gotta hit. It's all about RBIs. You got to hit. And and they, they mustered up three runs, right, on solo efforts. I think two guys had jacks. And it just ultimately wasn't enough to for them to carry the load. And then when you put that, that pressure, right, when you put that pressure on your pitching staff to go out there and really give the offense another chance after you guys had nine innings yeah. of chances. Yeah. Kind of rough, kind of hard. And you talk about pressure, I mean, coming off of a loss already, yep. and you're playing at home. So it's like – In front of your fans. You guys should be winning this game. You guys had the talent, have the team, you know, and I can I can totally see that in that second game, you know, all that adding up. Dude, I was watching it, and I felt the – the heightened sense of like desperation, like just it slipping. It was away. building, even in the fans. Like, like you see people covering their faces. Like some of the parents are there, and they're heartbroken, crying. Damn dog, it's hard, right? Because they know that this is a big moment for the kid, and and this is before they even lost the game. It was just like, damn, the kid got on base. Now the bases are full. It's like, oh my god, the worst scenario that could happen is happening, damn. and it's just rough, man. But you know, you know. <sighs> The Kings have a we're, lot to look forward to. We're on a bad streak right now as a city, dog. <laughs> <laughs> we're on a pretty bad streak right now. I didn't now, want to say that, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it hurts. Hey, come on. We got to point out the elephant in the room. You know it hurts. I mean? It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. Not, but, not on a good streak right now. But, but you know, I, I, I want to I mention that a lot of these kids have bright futures, you know. Not with Sola, um, Solamente. Not only with the... Solamente. <laughs> not only with the... Yeah, we're bilingual here, bro. <laughs> um, not only with... 
the the season that they had, they can really look back and say, damn, guys, we really did have a good season. 40 and 20. Nothing to scoff at. Nothing to scoff at. That's really good baseball. Um, and, and just a lot of the guys that that I know, right, that from reading all the things that I've read on the Canes baseball team, just guys that I know that are going to be drafted. You mentioned, you had asked me how many guys. Listen to this. You got a left-handed pitcher, Carson Palmquist, who pitched amazing the entire season, one of the best pitchers. We talked about him last podcast. We talked about Andrew Walters being one of the other good pitchers on the squad. Um, you had right-handed pitcher Alec, Mark, uh, Alex McFarlane, um, another amazing pitcher that we had talked about on the last podcast. You got the outfielder, Jake uh, Blake, who was one of the best hitters. Jacob Blake was one of the best hitters that they had this season, a sophomore. Right? Great, great name, by the way. Great, amazing name. Jake amazing Blake. name. Jacob Blake. Killing it. Um, man with two first names. Yeah, bro. Um, but he's a guy. Imagine as a sophomore getting getting tabbed to be like, hey, you're, you're one of those guys that can be drafted. Right. You definitely take a look at that, right? And then yeah. you have another uh, a catcher, Max uh, Romero, who was amazing with the pitching staff the entire year. Um, all of those guys are likely heading to the draft. Mm. So you're going to have likely five Hurricanes Which taken. Is, I mean, it's bad, obviously, because it's like, damn, you're losing the, you know, a lot of the guys from this team. But at the same time, man, there's so many good things that come. You know, we're doing the right things. You know, we got the right people in place. Absolutely. You know, coaching these kids. It's only going to look better for the program and help get more recruits for UM baseball. At the end of the day, you know, hey, we had, I don't know, five. You were out of all four, five, six right, guys, five guys that are going six the, guys. potentially into the draft. I mean, that yeah. that only speaks well for the program. It's devastating losing going out the way that they did. Right. But I think that they have a lot to go, uh, you know, into this offseason and build for next year. You, you said it, build. These guys reload. Hurricanes program, athletic program, just reloads when it comes to finding kids that have talent. Whether that's the soccer team, the women's volleyball team, um, you know, the men's basketball team, the, the women's basketball team, they always find ways to reload the talent that they are losing to the draft, which, again, looks great for the university because you have that, you know, to showcase to other people to say, hey, this is what we're doing here. This is what we're about at the U. Um, so I have the utmost belief in the coach and his staff to rebuild and reload this team. You know, even if you lose these key component guys, there's guys there that are probably staying that are just as good, if not better, or could be better. So a lot to look forward to, to Canes baseball. And again, they had a great season. So shout out to the Canes um, baseball program. Uh, and when, it, when we're talking about hurricanes and rebuilding, we're in the midst of that rebuilding phase right now with Mario Cristobal taking over the UM football program. As head coach. Great transition. Thanks. I'm trying to do this as a profession. I can see that. Yeah. Um, Getting pretty good at it. Thanks, bro. Um, you know. <clears throat> dog, I'm hyped. I'm, I'm hyped, too, because what we talked about with Vic, we, we've seen so many moves behind this football program on the field, off the field, in the front office, in the athletic de- department. Now we, now we just get Alonzo Highsmith to come in. To be the director of the GM of football operations, this guy is not only a, a Miami football legend, right? He's a Miami football legend. Big but, facts. But this guy is also a legend for being one of the smartest football players that have ever existed in the game. Mm. Because people see him and how he played and how fear fearful people were of him and how aggressive he was when he did his thing at his at his time here at the U, you know, they they tend to just think that that's what all he's about. Nah, man, this guy's such a smart dude. 
and yeah. and everything that I've read about like the NFL guys talking about him, NFL GMs, NFL um, coaches, uh, people who work in the scouting departments because he was working for Seattle Seahawks as the director of the scouting for them, um, executive director for them. Everybody just says the same thing. This guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to pick talent. He knows how to find guys that can fit your program, can fit your need. What are you looking for? What type of guys do you want to have in the building character-wise? Smith is High Smith is going to find them for you. And for the Hurricanes to say, you know what? We've done you wrong by keeping you guys away from the program and not allowing you guys to be a part of whatever is happening here. We, we messed up. Watch this. Hey, Highsmith, here's your job. Go make an impact in all these kids' lives. Because, man, when you have a guy like that, not, not at the helm, because we know who's at the helm, right? That's Cristobal. He's, he's the head of the, the, the Voltron, right? Um, but when you have a guy like Highsmith there in your program who can... But what's, what's Highsmith's title? I just said it, bro. GM of Football Operations. So, I mean... To some extent, he's the boss. Yeah, Crystal Ball is running the ship. You know he's what I mean? running the ship. So, but I guess you could say that Highsmith's running the port. Think about it like this: you you know that dynamic that we see between Spo and Riley. and Pat, where it's like, hey, this is how we work together. Yeah, uh, that's that's the same thing Spoh, we're gonna get. Spo works with what Riley gives him, communicates to him. This is what I need. Riley goes out. Makes the deals, does whatever what needs to be done to give him the proper tools to go out and win. Bingo. And if you ask Spo, he'll tell you, no, Pat's the boss here. And if you ask Pat, if you ask Pat, Pat will be like, no, this Spo's the man running things here. We go off of what he says. Yep. So beautiful, that, beautiful dynamic. It's, it's a great dynamic because you always have that flow, right, of those ideas. That's the same thing the Hurricanes are doing. Where they have a guy like Crystal Ball, they pair him with a guy like Alonzo Highsmith and say, what's, what's our goal? What do we want to do? And now, again, you just have credibility credibility more profound in, in, in ways that you can't even imagine, right? Sponsorships, the type of boosters that want to come out and support Highsmith, people that he grew, went to school with, right, who are probably wealthy and stuff like that. And like, what? My, my man's running the show now? What do you need? Hey, what do we need? We're going to do this? Oh, we got to put this? Hey, let's make season tickets more affordable. Let's make sure that we have tickets for high school kids, a section in the stadium for, I want this school here, this guy. When we bring our recruits, this is where we're going to sit them. Those are all things that, like, a regular AD is not going to know, right? A guy who doesn't have experience in playing the game, winning, losing, being at a professional level. Those are There's not a lot of those guys around. And working... Every side of it, yeah. not just being in, you know, in the game, but now he's worked at the executive level behind the scenes, you know, in the day to day. So Absolutely, he, he knows man. everything, how everything gets impacted. So pumped, so pumped to have that guy on board now, man, because I just feel like the vision of Hurricanes football is back to what it was in those, those early 2000 years where we were really on the cusp of being uh, not only a powerhouse, but a generational powerhouse where the Canes could have kept building on success, on top of success, on top of success, because we were built that way, even because we won with Larry Coker, and he wasn't the greatest coach. I mean, but he got handed a super team. That's what I'm saying. We could have been handing on super team after super team after super team after super team. We could have been in that position, 
Because when you win national championship, that allows you to see to do that. Go look at Alabama. Right? It's hard to do that when you're not winning consistently. Those when you win consistently, that's when you can build like that. I think the Hurricanes are getting closer to that. And this year, they've invested a lot in that. Um, not only with Crystal Ball and all those moves, right? The coaches, Jason Taylor, um, Smith, uh, a, a, just a bunch of guys. Oh, they got a, strong. They got, a, they got a squad. Like I, I would put up. I would guy. put up their coaching staff on the field against most football teams. <laughs> just their coaching staff because of how how much talent, former talent, and still win, and still win. It's crazy, don't? and still win because it's like we said. That's a program that has. Just so many people in the right spot in order to be really good at what they do. And that stuff is is beyond what other schools can match without having to spend X amount of money to pay all those guys. For for the Hurricanes, like I said, they already invested. We got five guys that came in from the portal who are impact players, guys who are going to make a huge splash this year. Um, you know, we got a wide receiver from Clemson, Frank Lutzen, big-time player, Big time guy that wanted to come down here and click up with Tyler Van Dyke and said, this kid is really the truth and he can put me in a position where I'm drafted in those first three rounds. Crystal Ball can get really get this offense moving in a direction where I can be a star. And we don't really have that quote unquote standout right receiver. So if you're coming in from Clemson where you're used to a highly excelling program, right? You come down here you're like, okay, I could fit right in and I got a good QB here. Let's go to work. That's a huge transfer portal get. Another transfer portal get, which probably is one of the best. A kid from UCLA, Mitchell uh, Aguala, the defensive end. Yes. There's bro. been a lot of good good chatter around this dude, bro. Say that again. Beast. A monster. A monster. And if you think about it, we're like, damn, we just upgraded that line that had a guy go in the first round in Jaden Phillips. How? That's probably what helped him, like, make the decision to come. Like, Right? Exactly. It has, to. it has to because it's like, okay, these guys were getting drafted in the first rounds, back to getting picked with good teams, right? Programs where they can, NFL programs where they can go and excel, right? Because we saw other Kings go some places and really make a, an impact. But hell yeah, that's a big factor in your decision making. You got a brand new coach. You got Jason Taylor here coaching you. That's a Hall of Famer. That kid's going to be a future Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? Like, hell yeah, you come here and you work with that guy because you're like, I know that this guy can get me there. Regardless of how the season turns out, if I do my part and do good for the rest of my guys here on this D-line, we're going to be nasty. Then you think about it like this. They add to the running back position in that transfer portal. They get a kid from Ole Miss, Harry Parrish Jr., very speedy, uh, speedster type running back, has really good hands, caught, I think, 300 yards of of receiving yards last year. Very durable. A guy that really works as a one-two combo. Him and Jalen Knight are going to be a problem for offenses, for defenses to handle. Figure out that backfield, man. But that's why you do that in a hurry. But you invest in these guys who are noted playmakers, guys who really have a reputation of doing well and contributing. A guy had had over a thousand yards total last year. You know that Robert Parrish kid, Um, Harry 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 Parrish Jr. that's a guy that, that, again, can be a playmaker in an offense like this where the offensive line is going to be drastically improved. And then lastly, they de- up, they reassure the defense by getting a cornerback and a defensive tackle from West Virginia. So these guys not only have played each other, they know what each other's about and what they got to do in order to, like, be good, right? They also come in 
with that expectation of I got to be good at my position because they're counting on me. Now, we're talking about the cornerback, Daryl Porter Jr. and Akeem uh, Medidor, Mesidor, Mesidor. Those two guys really shore up the defense because now we have not only experience, but experience depth in those positions. We have a good D-tackle to line up against a ba- next to our badass D-ends, right? Because you can't do one without the other. It doesn't make sense to have a good D-end and a guy who a tackle who can't move anybody back. Right. You need both of those. Yeah, because then the good guys are always going to get double teamed every Bingo, time. Bingo, right? So for this defense, for them to shore that up, hey, let's really solidify this top, this front seven. Meanwhile, add more depth to the to the cornerback position and safety position. Man, I really I really feel like this, they're building the team the right way, oh, and they're really taking advantage of that transfer portal by plugging in specific holes. You're not going to be able to get everything, but you're going to be able to plug in specific holes and those positions that we mentioned. There's just, at this point, there's just so much hype and anticipation, bro. I just cannot wait for the season. Yeah, and, I, and even more so, I cannot wait for Hurricane Seminoles down here. It's gonna be amazing. I'm, I'm you know, I'm out there. I know. You know, I'm out. There. I know. Um, in case you can't tell if I'm a Hurricanes fan or not, I'll probably be out there too. I, I won't know where I'll be, but you'll be out but there. I'll be out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And you look, you say hype. You know, I'm talking about big time hype. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is already on Mel Kiper's board. For 2023. As he should be. As he should be. So that just lets you know we got a real deal quarterback right here. And when you have a guy like that that's, quote unquote, has that hype, is the real deal, sky's the limit for a team like this full of weapons. Sky's the limit. And I'm really looking forward to it, man. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, man, let's 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 wrap up the show with, with some of the words from the Godfather. Um, Pat Riley had his end of season press conference and... There were a couple of things that really stood out to me. I don't know if you guys got to I got a chance to go out there and hear the full thing. It's about 45 minutes. You can go to MiamiHeat.com and check it out. But some of the main things that I walked away with, with, with was how he addressed some of the free agency questions that were really asked about him. He didn't really answer them directly. Obviously, he's never going to do that. He's never going to tip his hand. But some of the things he said, you know, like he mentioned, he, you know, the younger players, people ask, like, are you going to run it back with the same team? He mentioned that, you know, the younger players have to really do a better job of elevating their game. Uh, the Max Struces, the Vincents, the Heroes, um, the Bams, all of those guys. Because, essentially, those are the young guys that we're counting on, right? The team ultimately had a really well-balanced age, right? It was We had some real old guys, but we also had some real young guys. So it kind of balanced each other out. But ultimately, for you to win a championship, and this is what he was saying, you need your young guys to play better, especially if they think they can play better. You know, I'm sure if you ask those same guys we've just talked about, they all could have said, they all would say, like, hell yeah, I could have played better. Yeah. You know, there's one guy that he pointed out <clears throat> when he got asked was Bam. Correct. You know, this is, I'm looking at Barry Jackson, a tweet from Barry Jackson. Uh, like many of you, Riley wants Bam to reach another level of offense. And this is, quote, it can't always be effort on running, on lob dunks, on little floaters. There's another level we need more consistency to create good shots. 
And I think that's perfectly summed up right there. I mean, that's exactly exactly what we need from Bam. We need him to create better opportunities to score right. for himself. And then uh, he also said, you know, in defense of Bam, he said he does a lot of the stuff that we ask him to. Oh, of course, right? He does a lot of the pick and roll stuff where he's handing the ball off to so and so for a three or or giving somebody a better shot. Where he can easily turn that around and probably do a double uh, a dribble face up shot or something like that. But those are the things that they ask him to do. Another thing he reported was that Pat Riley made it clear that he wants to keep PJ Tucker. So I I don't see PJ Tucker going anywhere. I well, PJ has the option, but I think he I think he likes. I mean, I, I, bro, I, there's well, certain players people like to play with. I think Jimmy's one of those guys. Yeah, and I think I think Jimmy is PJ's guy. I feel well, like th- th- you know the one word that really stood out to me when he was talking about PJ Tucker was that he called him a cornerstone, right? And that sig- signifies to me like, all right, they not only really value this guy, but he's like. Somebody who brings more to the team, can calm the team down, can talk to guys on the bench, can hype guys up. Um, and those guys are invaluable. Whatever they make on annual salary, whatever, that's up to the team and whatever the deal is. But you need a P.J. Tucker. Absolutely. And then he had this to say. He said uh, that they would speak to Oladipo's agent. Yeah. Uh, what that tells me is we're going to check to see what the price is first before we commit. And we'll see if it's worth it. So it seems it seems like they they have a feeling all people's going to go after big money. Yeah, and they, they don't want to pay it. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, you always got to check what the number is. The interesting thing with uh, Victor Oladipo is that we own his bird rights, so no team is going to be able to give him the max amount of money that we'll be able to give him, depending on what he's offered, right? And if Victor Oladipo is, if he's competitive. Right, if he's competitive, he can say, "I'm definitely a, num- a better option at number two here than Strews and Gabe Vincent combined, combined." Right, but I have to be that deadly enough to say, "I'm going to push Kyle Lowry for his job too as a starter." Because Kyle Lowry's on that two-year deal, three-year deal, going into year two, and we'll touch on Kyle Lowry. Don't think he's going to get away, guys. Um, but it's my next one. Yeah, I know. Um, when it comes to Victor Oladipo, yeah, it makes sense to go talk to his agent and see what he what the number is. But us owning his bird rights really puts us in a favorable position. What does that mean, his bird rights? That means that no team can pay him per year, go over the cap to sign him, right? If they have the cap space, they can sign him, but they can't go over their cap space. Okay, gotcha. That he can go over their cap space in order to sign him. If we really wanted to. Correct. Um, and I think for Victor, it's just a smart fit. He knows that he has a, a, a role here. He knows that his defense is good enough to be here. Um, he was in good enough shape for what he was getting back into in order to keep competing. Another year, another time, offseason to get stronger, better, faster. Could be that Victor Oladipo really fits in well here and can take over, like I said. Take over a guy like Kyle Lowry. Right? On the subject of Kyle Lowry, yeah. <clears throat> this is what, uh, what the godfather had to say about his conditioning. Mm. He said he definitely is going to have to address that, and it will be addressed I definitely think he can be in better shape. We'll address it and try to help him. The The specific quote was world-class shape. And if you're Kyle Lowry, yes, that is a personal jib, a personal slap in the face in the media, call it whatever you want. But that is very direct message to you to tell you, hey, regardless of what's going on in your life, on and off the court, in order to be here and to perform for us, this is what's ex- expected of you. you know. And we gave you a rare pass 
those passes don't come that often from Pat Riley to say, ah, don't worry about that conditioning. We're not going to really find you or whatever. Kyle Lowry has a lot to prove. Not only to Heat fans, um, I don't want to say to himself, but he has a lot to prove to that contract and that money that he's earning. He has a lot to prove to that. Because I, I, I know that he can be better than what he showed us. We all know that. I, I agree. Right? We all can say, like, yo, Kyle Lowry's better than what the hell we saw this year. 100%. Now, does he take that personal and say, you know what? I'm going to come in here 25 pounds lighter. I'm be strong, but I'm going to lose 10, 15 pounds. I'm going to still be just as strong, but I'm going to lose 10 to 15 pounds, really be in good shape. And he should do that. He should take that as a try. Because Jimmy didn't bring him here to be an anchor and weigh me down. Literally. Jimmy brought you here to be that guy. That guy. And in order for Lowry to do that, he needs to be in shape. You know? You need to be in shape. You need to be able to compete, bro. And he just wasn't there. A lot of stuff happened in the in the season for him. It is what it is. But Riley definitely pointed him out, and rightly so. You know, because Lowry's just too important, making too much money to, to just come in like that. It gives a bad example to everybody else. You know, especially when you guys, you guys, you have guys like Tyler Hero talking about wanting to be a starter. Um, Pat Riley telling him, "You need to come and earn it in October. Show up to to training camp in October with five to ten pounds more muscle, committed more to your defense. You need to be a two way player in order for us to compete for a championship." Literally said that because it's true. You can't just have Tyler out there and have him score 25 points per game, 20 to 25 points per game, which I'm thinking that's what he would average as a starter. But he's also going to give up 18 to 22 points per game. Can't have that. Turn the ball over four or five times. Can't have that. No. You can't have that. But, I mean, that's if he even makes it to the heat training camp in October because there's a rumor going around where there's a potential. (laughs) There's a deal that's making a lot of sense to a lot of people where we would ship Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Omar Yurtsevin, a 2022 pick and a 2023 swap for Donovan Mitchell. The problem with that is Donovan Mitchell will have to say he wants to leave. Uh, well, that's the other part where he just lost his head coach. He has bad blood with his teammate, Rudy Gobert. He might want something different. Let me ask you a question. What's easier to ship off Gobert or spider? Oh no, Gobert, a hundred percent. There you go. You, so you if, want, you're the- you want, if you're them, you want to keep, Donovan Mitchell. If you you're the owner, if you're the owner, but if Donovan Mitchell is saying I don't want to be here anymore, but that's what, what do saying. you do then as as that team? Well, no, yeah, you definitely want to go out there and and you got to get something. You got to get the best deal. You got to get the best. You know what I mean? There's pro- heroes still a stud. Robinson, great three point shooter. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, Omar Yurtseven has potential as a big man. I, I don't have a problem with the deal how it's structured, right? Because when you when you look at that. And you look at Spider Mitchell, you're like, hell yeah. But there there are some things about Spider Mitchell that that is maybe not of heat caliber, right? Um his defense isn't like it's questionable. At best. Something that he could use us for, we can help him get better. Yeah, but at this stage in the, at this stage of his career, how how invested is he in that? You would really have to because again, you're taking on that money. You're trading away a lot of young assets and taking on money. For an older player who's a baller, a baller, but it comes with expectations. You know, you kind of want a, a total package if if you're trading all your young your young talent, mm. right? So yeah, you look at Spider's defense and you're like, okay, it's not the greatest, but we could probably work with you, right? 
<coughs> um, but then you think about the money that he's making, and he's going to be eligible for another max contract in two, three years. Is that what you want to do? Is is a guy like Spider really going to change your franchise? Does he look like a he Jimmy could. Butler? Yeah, but does he look like a Jimmy Butler dog type? He, he he does, in my opinion. I don't know if I see that from him. I'm not with, saying with I don't, more, I'm not taking away more, from him being a player with more He's ceiling to scoring. Yeah, but I don't think that for for all of our issues with scoring, right? All of our issue with scoring. This is something that Pat Riley alluded to. Also, it's our defense that wins the Heat games. It's our defense. When we're shooting bad like we did in these playoff games, you know what saved us those games? Our defense. Not our shooting, our defense. Because we still didn't shoot to that number one percentage of, of three-pointers that we know where we can shoot from. We were nowhere near close to that average in the playoffs. Uh, I think we finished the season around 40%. In the playoffs, we were right around 29%, 28%. A huge drop-off. So what we have to rely on is our defense. That's why we like... Having Jimmy out there, Tucker out there, Bam out there. Why Tyler doesn't play? Why Duncan doesn't play? Those guys are scorers. They can get hot and shoot threes and all this and that, right? But the problem is, can they defend? Can you lock down your guy? That's what wins you a championship. I don't know, man. I, w- I would like to see, obviously, Pat is, is always going to look to improve the team. And he said that he's always looking forward to... Not necessarily running it back, but just seeing where they can improve and what becomes available. Because that's another thing. He always takes advantage of what's available. You know, he's he's a very smart, very smart GM. He knows exactly what type of guy can fit into his system. So I don't think he's just going to go out there and just grab a guy because he's a name or because he can score points. I think they're going to want to focus on somebody who can create for others, right? Really create for others and and be a, a an efficient scorer. That's that's something that's valuable. If not, you go get a big man. You got to go get a big man. Yeah, that's, right. That's if we're not going to go after you know Spider, then we got. I'll go take Gobert. We got to take a big. Even man. Even if I got to sit him in the fourth quarter with three minutes left, cool. I'll put him. I'll swap that guy offense defense every single time. But I don't know, man. It's gonna it's gonna be tough. Uh, Minnesota has a, a huge uh, not Minnesota Utah has a huge choice to make. Um, Dwayne Wade is out there. They were saying, oh, Dwayne Wade is talking to him about going to Miami. Why would Dwayne Wade do that? If he works for the Jazz, getting paychecks from the Jazz. Right. Come on, guys. Um, Maybe he's getting a paycheck from the Godfather on the low. Get out of here. I mean. Get out of here. Um, Tin hat. Yeah, get out of here. Um, that's not going to happen. So let's see, man. I, I, at least we know this. Pat's definitely looking forward to imp- improving the team. Uh, he called out the guys that needed to be called out. Duncan needs to be a better defender. Lowry, you need to get into shape. Bam, you need to create more. The one guy he didn't say anything about was Jimmy Butler. He was going to say anything about that You guy. can't. You can't. But every, everybody else got got theirs. Gabe Vincent. Right, oh, you right, you think right, you so. can hang? Come out here and show me that you can score more than 15 points in the playoffs. Same thing goes for you, Struess. Same thing goes for you, Hiro, uh, Tyler Hero. Go out there and ball when it matters in the Easter Conference Finals. That's what I don't care about first round. Show me that in the, in the, when it counts, you know? So let's see. So devastating, man. We, yeah. sh- we should be in there. We should, but it goes without Playing saying. Golden State. We'll get there. We'll get there sooner than later. Yep. It's time to wrap this bad boy up, bro. Let's do it, player. Let's do it, man. Um, bro, it's always a good thing to be able to kick this episode off and, and lock it down with you, doggy. Oh, yeah. Don't leave me it's hanging. It's always uh, a pleasure. Always. And then, uh, a pleasure and an honor. <sighs> the honor is mine, good oh, sir. You're a good man. You know what we got to do, man. Tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. To tell another friend. And tell them to put their tags on the Instagram post when we drop something on YouTube, when we drop something on TikTok. 
tag somebody in there share it let them know because this podcast is too dope bringing you too much content and keeping it real miami with everything that we got going on oh yeah so make sure to tell a friend to and let them friend. know until next time <laughs> i thought we were doing it again no man here we go peace, peace. <laughs>